gentlemen, welcome aboard Delta Airlines Flight 2998, bound for Atlanta, Georgia, with continued service to Dallas-Fort Worth International Airport. All carry-on items should now be... What's up, guys? Welcome to my blogcast for my travel blog, The American Sahara, where I talk about everything travel, intercultural, and basically anything else going on in the world and on the internet. I'm so glad that I'm actually sitting down and doing this because... It's something that I wanted to do for a long time because the first time I traveled, I was doing study abroad and I started my blog then, but it was so difficult to actually maintain it. At least for me, I'm just lazy. So, you know, being a full-time student in a foreign country, doing classes in a foreign language and having to write essays and, you know, just comprehend (laughs) in your second language is really difficult. Um... And on top of that, trying to do more like quote unquote academic, professional writing, like doing spell check and stuff. And not to mention doing like basic everyday things that suddenly become stressful because you're doing them in another language. Like trying to find an apartment, trying to understand the leasing contract, figuring out if you're paying the right amount of money for utilities and stuff like that because we did get ripped off, like we did get scammed at one point. But, you know, just basic things can become so stressful when you're trying to do them in your second language, like going to the grocery store even. So being able to live in an environment where you can speak your native language is just such a huge privilege and all those other kinds of things can just become so much more stressful and I really wasn't having it at that time. Also because trying to deal with you know roommate drama with people that don't speak your native language and they don't even fully speak fluently the second language that you both speak so it was just a lot of stress and I just wasn't having it you know so much props so much respect for immigrant people but anyway I just did not have the time nor the patience for that and I wanted to keep a blog going so now that I'm going to be leaving the country again it's something I still want to do but at the same time it's like now I'm graduated And I still don't have the patience or the time to be doing homework. You know, I graduate. I don't want to be sitting here like doing writing. I love writing, but I think, I don't know, doing it in a blog in that sense kind of felt like I was forcing myself to do it and it wasn't enjoyable anymore. So I still want to keep a blog going, but I think that doing a blog blog cast is just going to make it so much easier for me to talk about the things that I want to talk about and share these ideas and experiences traveling and things like that, but not so formal. You know, there are some things that I think I still want to do as written pieces, some things that are more serious, you know, provide my sources and all that. But I think there's a lot of things that are going to be coming up on this blog that I just can't like, well, not that I can't, I just don't feel like doing academic writing about those things because I'm just so burnt out from school and academia. I feel like nowadays, even on social media, everything is so academic on like Twitter and even on Instagram. It's just overwhelming. So I think this is definitely going to be a much more comfortable way for me to keep my blog going and not feel like I'm, you know, forcing myself to do something I don't want to do.
but I did not come here today just to complain about that. Really, I wanted to tell a story that I think a lot of my friends and family members or people that just don't know me or haven't been keeping up with me in the past few years don't know, and it's the fact that, or the story of how I converted to Islam during the year that I was living in Spain. I actually converted at the end of that year before I came back to the States. So, um, I was kind of like hesitant to tell the story, not because it's like embarrassing for me or anything. It is really personal. And I don't think I'm going to put all the details out there because it is a really long story that basically spans like two years. But I, at that time, was watching so many stories of people that were converting and it just got to be so corny, like so corny. But anyway, I figured that I had to tell it because it has a lot to do with the reason why I started traveling and what I was going through as far as the things that I was thinking about, um, what I was going through with my mental health and my personal spirituality and faith and things like that. But you know, I definitely have to tell it though because it has a lot to do with um, why I'm going to be going to the place I'm going to be going to next in like 20 something days I'm going to be moving to Morocco for two years so it is going to be a big part of my experience because you know no matter where you travel to no matter where you go no matter how far you go your identity always travels with you and that can mean a lot of different things in different places so I'm really excited to see how this new aspect of my identity is going to be perceived because I know so far in America you know it's not the prettiest thing so I'm really excited to see how this this new experience is going to play out with that. But anyway, with that being said, let's get into the story. So once upon a time, not long ago, shout out to whoever got that reference. <laughs> but basically, this whole process of traveling and eventually converting started my junior year of college when I was living in San Francisco. So... Basically, at that time, I was getting into, like, a lot of, like, weird spiritual shit. Um, uh, I was living with, you know, my closest friend in college at the time, who was actually Muslim. But she wasn't, like, practicing, and she was really into, like, that hippie stuff, like, the tarot cards and the crystals and all that. So, clearly, we weren't talking anything about Islam. Like, she would mention some, some stuff, like, here and there. But the majority of our conversations was really about, like, the whole New Age thing. Because we were coming from SoCal, you know, like, and we went up to the Bay Area where people are more about that. So we really tried to get heavy into the whole New Age stuff. And I was really close with that person. We lived together for about three years. But where things started to go downhill for me was when um, the relationship that I was in when I started college ended. And it needed to end. And, um... The person that I was living with decided that they wanted to move in with their boyfriend. So it was kind of last minute when they told me. So I had to basically find a spot within a few months before my lease ended. And I had to go back to SoCal, which would have made it that much more difficult to find a place to live. And so I had to find a new spot to live last minute. Like if you know anything about trying to find a place to live in California, let alone San Francisco, it's like hell. It's basically impossible, especially if you're... A single person trying to find your own spot it's so difficult so I ended up getting into a spot where I was just living with like random strangers so I was super isolated at that point and going to school and it was just like not 
it was just not I just couldn't do it especially because you know I was studying gender studies and that shit is not like the lightest stuff to be studying every day you know like systematic oppression but I've always loved foreign languages and I was studying Spanish at the time so I was pretty much pouring all of my positive energy into learning Spanish so yeah needless to say I was not taking care of my mental health at all in any way shape or form and it just got to a point where I decided that I wanted to pursue the only thing that was actually giving me some kind of like motivation or you know some kind of like sense of happiness when I was so depressed at that time and I thought to myself I could either stay here you know being this isolated depressed person or I could just get out of my environment and go to study abroad and I decided to do it because basically I came to the realization that worst case scenario I'm gonna be over there in Spain doing the same thing by myself that I'm doing in America you know I just thought that as far as my mental health goes, it could not get that much worse in Spain as to where I was because I was just so isolated. You know, I guess <laughs> I'm glad I thought that way, but now I, I think I realize it could have gotten much, much worse. I think the thing actually that gave me the confidence to go to Spain was the fact that I was spending so much time by myself. I didn't have anybody to influence me in any other way. Like, you know how people say that you have to be careful of the company that you keep? I definitely realize that because when you spend a lot of time by yourself, you have to really reflect on the reasons why you do things and the reasons why you are the way you are. I I think I, I realized at that point why isolation and meditation and things like that has always been a big part of different spiritual traditions because it definitely could be a positive thing. And even for people just in their daily lives, especially now with how connected we are to our phones, like disconnecting is so important. But um, obviously there's a healthy way to do it. Um, yeah, so I, I think that at that point, because of that, I didn't have anybody always reaffirming my ideas in a certain direction or influencing me to think and talk about certain things. Um, another thing I realized at that point, um, you know, not being exposed to all of like the new age stuff anymore and talking about that every day. I just started to realize how much synchronicity there was between so many of the world's religions and their figures like comparisons between Jesus and Buddha and Krishna and figures from ancient Egyptian religions. At this point actually I started to take philosophy of religion courses which I loved and I tried to figure out you know like where the whole new age movement fit in and I just saw how they took so much from like Kabbalah and Judaism and talked about biblical angels so it made me want to pick up the bible for myself and learn about my own religion again. When I did that I started to have my own interpretation of the bible because I just didn't want really any like outside influence as far as what I was reading, you know, I eventually, you know, I, at the time I was going to a church and I stopped going to the church and stopped hanging out with my church friends because my interpretation just from reading the Bible, you know, for what it said <laughs> ended up being so different from the people and um, kind of what the people and the pastor at the church I was going to was preaching. So basically what I, I don't even know, like my beliefs at that point didn't really change. Like I was a pretty like straightforward Christian, but 
um, just from be- reading the Bible from for what it was, I just wanted to live as close to the example of Jesus Christ as possible. And, you know, that's like a normal Christian thing. Like all Christians say, you know, WWJD, what would Jesus do? So I just tried to live up to that as much as I possibly could because I just started to get really religious. So that's what I was doing. Honestly, I think the whole living your life with Jesus as your example is really like an abstract thing. I think it's something that people say but don't necessarily do. And that's just my opinion because I think modern Christianity totally disregards the things that Jesus actually did. And they just have their own interpretation of the Jewish laws and they believe that those practices have their own place, which is not for them, period. At that point, I mean, I definitely knew then that I was done with mainstream Christianity because I thought it was just way too ironic. Like, you know, you have this whole what would Jesus do thing, but at the same time, you literally consider to be the way that Jesus actually lived, you know, the things that he actually did. Yeah, those things, you consider them to be accursed. Yeah, so for me, that was just, like, way too ironic, and I just, yeah, I just knew I was done with mainstream Christianity at that point. Or, you know, at least what's considered mainstream in the United States, you know, um, but this is literally, like, a few months before I'm about to go to Spain to live my best life. I'm getting all super religious and stuff, like, not a good idea, but, um, at that point, I started to learn about different types of Christianity, that I thought were more like true to what the Bible actually said and was more true to what Jesus actually did and how he lived. And I was really interested in Ethiopian Orthodox Christianity and African Orthodox Christianity, I think in general, um, particularly because there was this one verse in the Bible, I think first or second Corinthians or something where it talks about how women should cover their hair when they pray. So I started to do that and Also, there were some verses about how Jesus prostrated when he prayed. So I noticed that Ethiopian Orthodox Christians did that. And I also had seen a lecture by a Ethiopian Jewish scholar. And he was talking about how from his, you know, research and perspective that the Ethiopian Orthodox Church was the most um, close to Judaism than any other form of Christianity. So I was like, "Mm -hmm, this is what I'm going to start doing. I'm going to do that. But then again, it was like, no, actually, no, I am not because I'm about to be going to Spain to live my best life. My hot girl summer before hot girl summer existed, you know? So, um, yeah, one, like there is no Orthodox churches in Spain. So I just stopped going to church 100%. And two, like, I was just coming off of like, you know, some serious depression. Like I'm going to Spain one of, you know, the best tourist destinations in Europe. I'm going to be living, like, super close to the beach. I'm going to be traveling. I'm not going to church. No. <laughs> no. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was uh, going to party. <laughs> Thank you very much. So I did have a really good time and everything, except I started to feel really guilty because I was coming off of such a spiritual high, and then I basically threw everything in the trash and just, like, started pissing everything off and going out and partying. But I was still learning a lot about religion in school, which was actually really, really interesting. Because other than being known for, like, a ton of violence, um, Spanish history was also known for 
the convivencia, which means like the um, the coexistence, like it was like the coexistence of the three religions of Jews, Muslims, and Christians. So I was taking that history class and it was kind of a way I could stay connected to religion. I took the class wanting to learn more about Christianity and Judaism and how those two religions coexisted, but come to find out they did not. And once the Jews and the Christians were alone together, the Catholics were chopping heads. And you know the thing I think, it's not funny at all, but the thing that I think that I got from that class was the fact that I was really disturbed by how violent Christian history was. Obviously, I knew that the Bible is used to justify slavery against my own people and colonization against all American people. But, you know, when you're a part of something, you don't take the criticisms of it very seriously. And that's just how it is. But it was just too ironic, not ironic at all, actually, how literally when those last kingdoms in Spain, the Muslim kingdoms, were gone, that colonization against the whole world started. Um, and slavery against my people started, but history is just so important. But anyway, I just really had so much an appreciation for the pacifism of those Islamic kingdoms and the beauty of the architecture of a place like Granada that was left over. It really made me want to take it seriously to learn Arabic. When you learn any language, you automatically learn different parts of the culture. It just comes with the territory of learning a language. So when I was learning Arabic, I learned, you know, the common Islamic expressions and things like that that are used on a daily basis. The history of the language, too, which was really interesting about how, you know, there's modern standard Arabic that came from the Arabic that was from the Quran. And then you learned or like how then there's the different dialects of Arabic that exist today. So it was all really interesting to me. So that's what made me, I guess, more open to learning about Islam. Um, especially because the year that I went to Spain, I think people were kind of like on edge or a little bit more hostile towards Muslims because literally like a few weeks before I went to Spain, it was the whole um, attack in Barcelona that happened. So yeah, but I think the thing that really got me into wanting to seriously learn about Islam was learning about the history of Islam in Spain and how historically, um, particularly in Spain, Islam was a lot more tolerant than um, the Christians when they took over the Iberian Peninsula. Um, you know, the whole multicultural or tri-religion thing that Spain is like really known for was actually under the period of the Islamic kingdoms, whereas when the Catholics took over, they, you know, started a whole genocide and inquisition and kicked out all of the Muslims and kicked out all of the Jews and suppress ethnic minorities. So, you know, it's like, I don't know, I just thought it was really interesting. Obviously, that's not the basis of the religion of, of Christianity, I mean, but it was something that made me more interested in learning about Islam because, like I said, when I first got there, people were really hostile towards the religion. And also with that going on and everything and being the time that I first started to learn about Islam, um, there was a lot of just hostility on the internet about it. And I found out, you know, there's actually Christian pastors out here or speakers, whatever you want to call these people, that make a whole career based on lying about who they are, lying about how they converted to Christianity and how they were Muslims, and just a lot of Islamophobic people out there, you know. So 
it was really difficult to initially wade through all of that information and all of that negativity, but I got to the point where I just started listening to debates between Christians and Muslims, and I learned about a lot of really, really intelligent scholars that were, you know, Bible scholars and also Muslim scholars, and it was really interesting to hear both sides about, you know, what each religion believed. But then I had come to realize, like, all of the things that I was interested from, um, African Orthodox Christianity and, you know, like Seventh-day Adventists and all of these different Christian sects that followed more strictly to the Bible and how Jesus lived was that all of those things that I was interested in was present in Islam. So I was like, oh, okay, but I believed in the Trinity and things like that. Like I still believed that Jesus died for our sins because that's just what I believed. And believing in the Trinity and believing that Jesus died for your sins is ultimately the thing that makes you a Christian. You can believe in whatever else. As long as you believe in those two things, then you're a Christian, right? But eventually, obviously, I came to the end of the road with believing that when I found through all of those debates and looking up different lectures when I found Dr. Bart Ehrman. So Bart Ehrman is an ex-fundamentalist Christian atheist who has a PhD in religious studies from Princeton and he also went to one of the most prestigious Bible institutes in the United States. So I was really interested in what he had to say obviously because he was somebody who rigorously studied the Bible academically and also because he was a very faithful person. So I was interested in his story just in general. But he wrote this book called How Jesus Became God, and it's really interesting. I actually didn't read the book. I watched a series of his lectures, and he explains in the lectures and also in the book how out of the four Gospels, there are three that are identical, but the fourth Gospel, the Gospel of John, is actually the latest and least historically accurate of the Gospels. And it's in that Gospel where the divinity of the Jesus is really pushed and, and proclaimed by Jesus. He points out that the, the New Testament is written in Greek. I mean, like this is information that is just common knowledge. But the New Testament is written in Greek, which is a language that the disciples of Jesus, Jesus didn't speak. It was a very upper echelon language at that time. You know, I think you could say today it's kind of like how we see speaking English or speaking French. You know, it was a language of high class and Jesus' disciples were not they were poor. So they definitely did not speak Greek. So just the historical inaccuracies that he pointed out in his lectures and in his books really opened my eyes to what I thought that I believed versus what I actually believed. At this point, I was basically having a crisis of faith where I had to be so real with myself about whether or not I was going to believe in somebody's interpretation of who Jesus was and what his life mission was or if I was going to believe what I actually you know was being shown about who Jesus really was as a real historical figure and that was something that was really important to me because I was so into history at that time and I was learning a lot about history and I just love history so much so it was really difficult for me to believe in something that didn't seem like it was historically accurate. So I was having a really hard time with that, but thankfully it was around spring break. So my roommate and I planned a trip to Morocco and it was a really great time. 
So the whole week I was there, I decided I was going to wear the hijab and just see how it went because it was something that I had been doing for about a year at that point and I really enjoyed doing it. And it was something I actually did want to do full time, but you know, it just wasn't socially acceptable for Christians or for people in America. So I really wanted to take the opportunity to just put it on and try it out, you know, I guess. And oh my god, we had such a good time in Morocco. Like y'all, the, the food in Spain was so freaking nasty. So I went to Morocco. I had good food. The people were so nice. It was just amazing. And then when I came back, um, actually at that time I was teaching English. I was a volunteer English teacher in Spain and a lot of the students that I had were from Morocco. So I told them I went and they asked me how it was and I told them I wore the hijab and they were like, oh my god, that's amazing. Good for you. You go girl. And I was like, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So it was nice to have some encouragement because at that time I did feel like I was back going through something on my own again because it wasn't something that I shared with my roommates. You know, it was just really personal for me. So I was really glad to have some positive reinforcement. And I definitely do think that the positive experience that I had with my Moroccan friends and going to Morocco is a part of the reason why I wanted to do Peace Corps in Morocco because it was, you know, when you move to a foreign country, I think it's difficult to go to some place you don't know the language. Obviously, I don't speak Tunisia like 100%. I speak it like 5%. But it was a place that I was familiar with and I was familiar with the culture through the friends that I had made and I had just been there So I really wanted to go back and thank God that I got accepted. But anyway But I just got to the point where I was like look like you need to stop kidding yourself This is what you believe in and you just need to commit to it. So before actually yeah the day that I flew back to the United States I ended up taking Shahada and that was over a year ago now so when I came back to the States, I instantly started covering my hair full time because it was something that I was already doing in Spain, something I was already doing before I even left to come to, to go to Spain. And it was something that I was really comfortable with doing. But also when I was in Spain, my hair was giving me such grief. So I just started covering it when I was there anyway with like turbans and stuff like that. So I just stuck to that for a while before I put on the full hijab and told my family and everything and stuff like that. But I think I'm going to make that a separate broadcast for the girls because I really do think covering my hair made such a big difference because let me tell you, when I was in Spain, my hair was ate up. It was ate up, chewed up, and spit out. Like there was no, there was African people there, but it was so hard to find somebody who could like braid my hair or anything like that because my hair is thick. It is so thick. I had no idea what I was doing and it was just so bad, y'all. Like I was just gelling my hair back, trying to flat iron my hair and it was just a mess. But I think covering my hair made a huge difference to where my hair is so long now. I wish I could show you, but you know what? Whatever, that's okay. Just take my word for it. I'm really proud of it, so I really wish I could show it, but nah. So that has been my headspace and my physical place for the last two years that was all like in a span of two years so I came back to the states and I moved back to SF so I could finish my degree and I graduated a semester early got up out of there and then I came back home and literally instantly applied for the Peace Corps like I think I applied the day the application opened so I got accepted pretty early on so that was really exciting I got everything taken care of and now I'm gonna be moving to Morocco for a few weeks a few weeks in a few weeks before two years 
Yeah, so that's pretty much my story about converting and where I've been and where I'm going. And really, I think that amongst everything that happened, converting was the best thing that has happened to me. And I think it's just so cool because since then, I've noticed so much synchronicity in my life. And I think it's just so much easier to notice synchronicity when you realize that there is a force that is working for, you know, the best for you. I think one thing that I learned from Buddhism, actually, when I was back in those days, and I was heavy into that, is that Buddhists always say, who knows what's good or bad? And it's just universal, you know, nobody knows when something is good or bad that is happening. For example, you know, in my experience, I didn't think that, you know, cutting ties with a friend or not having a place to stay and becoming isolated and depressed would lead me to go to Spain. And I didn't know that that was going to lead me to meet new people and learn another language and accept another religion and feel comfortable enough with another place to move there for two years. So I think who knows what's good or bad is one of the principles that I've started to live by now. But you know what would be really good is if you listen to my next podcast because I'll start to feel crazy again if I'm just sitting here talking to myself. I hope I'm not talking to myself. I hope you're listening because yeah, don't make me, don't make me crazy. (laughs) But if you actually want to see some of the cool stuff I'm going to be doing while I'm in Morocco, the kind of work that I'm going to be doing there, the people that I'm going to be working with, um, all of my photos and things like that, follow me on IG at the American Sahara, no underscores, no spaces, no periods. That's where I'm going to be posting up all of my photos and I have some photos of my past travels and I'm going to be linking to all of my blog posts there as well. Um, Everything that's going to be interesting is going to be up there. I'm going to keep all of the boring stuff hidden away on Facebook. Okay, so clearly I have nothing else to say about that except make sure that you guys are being safe out there. Please, please don't text and drive. And no matter where you're going, make sure that you always buckle your seatbelts. All right, I'll talk to you guys next time.